Now, I've always ran to solve my problems. And I just remember running and thinking about why I got into real estate. And I saw my dad's initials, which is K-A-S. Then I thought of my firstborn son, Eli. I started fucking crying, you know, because I'm like, I'm going to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not your typical Overass podcast episode. We had on a real estate legend, Kevin Sturdivant, who has sold over $2.2 billion worth of real estate. He went deep with us on mindset. He talks about the mindset it takes to go from 500,000 to a million to 10 million to $30 million listings. He talks about the seven equities, how he built the Case Real Estate brand, and he also gives me a personal therapy session. Watch all the way through, and I guarantee you, you will be inspired. The Broke Agent presents Over Ask Podcast. Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show. We're, we're excited that you're here. Uh, Eric and I were talking backstage before you came on and you have a pretty crazy backstory and we want to, I guess, just jump right, right into it. Uh, let us know, like, you know, how, how did you get here into real estate? You've now sold your team sold 2.2 billion, uh, in real estate. How did you get here? Whew, that's a, that's a long question. <laughs> Um, Start from I, birth, please. Yeah, born in <laughs> Oakland. Uh, no, I mean it's it, it. I think everything that we do, all, all the ways we grow up, right, are, are all have an impact with how we got to where we are, how we how we, you know, make the decisions that we make. Um, but my, I think how I grew up did have a lot to do with how I got into this crazy business. I was born in Oakland, and I didn't really know what my dad did growing up. Um, but you know, we we got to have some fun. You know, we got to go on these crazy vacations. I got to go to a private school and um, probably around maybe five, six years old. Um, I just remember some chaos happening in our house and then my dad was gone. And uh, it was a little while before my mom kind of explained to me what happened, but she was really witty. She was really quick with it. And she's just like, look, your dad has decided to uh, go to fire school. He's going to go to a fire academy to become a fireman. I'm like, damn, dude, dude didn't even say bye. Okay. Um, she's like, so the next time you see him, it's going to be behind a glass because he's, he's got a lot of smoke around him. So, uh, you know, it's, it's better. You, you, you're going to be talking to dad through a phone and a glass. Then when I was around like 10 years old, I realized my dad did not go to fire academy. My dad was into some other stuff. Amazing human being. He passed away in 2012. He was only 50. Um, but, you know, that kind of chaotic upbringing, fortunately, I found skateboarding. I think skateboarding was my best education for real estate in multiple ways. One, I was a street skater, so I'm looking at ledges and, and, and banks and smooth ground like it made me look at architecture like i naturally developed this affinity for mid-century architecture think about any eichler home google a quincy jones google case study house shrink that thing down and it is the perfect skatable object it's either a flat roof or an a-frame so i didn't know that um Skateboarding gave me that visual eye. Skateboarding also taught me how to hustle because I had sponsors. So I would I would sell all my old stuff to get by. My mom let me move out, move out of the house when I was 13. She let me just move in with a friend. And so I needed to make money. So I would always hustle all my old stuff. And um, 
most of all, skateboarding taught me that the key to succeeding is just falling on your freaking face and never giving up. Like, get back up. That's the key to breaking through is you got to fall down and get back up. That's how you win is you got to fail. So, you know, I went through a lot of schools. And then when I was in a junior in high school, Costa Mesa High School, I got the news that I was going to be a father, you know. And uh, that wasn't really my plan to go into my senior year of high school with a baby Bajorn on, but it made me step things up really quick. My mom worked for like the top real estate coaching guy of the nineties. Um, and I was like my mom's role play partner with all of her scripts and dialogues, selling people these coaching programs and these retreats. So, and I would go in after high school to where my mom worked can't say the name of that place, but I would go in there and I would make cold calls and she would pay me under the table. So when I get the news about being a father, I knew the sales manager over there and I'm like, dude, I'm about to have a kid. I need a job. I know all the scripts. I'll work for two weeks for free. I need to make some money. And he's like, what about school? I'm like, I'm done. He's like, you know, he didn't ask me if I graduated. So what would have <laughs> been like, my finished. senior year of high school, I started working full time at that place, selling tapes, like legit, like a tape program. This is the year 99, 2000, um, upgrading people into CDs, selling seminars, selling coaching. I become a top producer there. I get fired from that company in 2003. And at this point, my son's three years old. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Well, I know all these scripts. I've been prospecting my ass off seven, eight hours a day, standing up, just prospecting real estate agents. I could definitely call expireds. I could definitely call Fizbo's. Let's go. And uh, it took me a year to pass the test. I failed the test six times. And in 2003, you had to wait 30 days to get the result. Then when you got the result back that you freaking failed, you had to wait 30 more days to get the response. And the response date, the new date was 30 days out. So every time I failed the test, it cost me freaking hundred days. Oh my God. So yeah, I was working under the table uh, for this dude, just door knocking for him. And then I finally get in, in 2004. Um, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty. So that's the journey of getting in, into the game. Okay. There's a, there's a ton <laughs> to unpack. I feel like I, I should have been taking notes. There's so much <laughs> to unpack there. What I love about this though is like about this industry is it's really not a one size fits all industry. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone kind of has their own journey and you would think, you know, there's a lot of in, in your journey, there's a lot of times where it seemed like you could have just been like, you know, screw this too much and kind of given up and you know just been an ordinary kind of work a nine to five job and be done with it what was that what was that have you always had that drive did did skateboard really skateboarding really give you that drive to like or is it like something you want to prove yourself chip on your shoulder like what was that drive to really like do something more with your life yeah man you know um there was this chip on my shoulder that I really started to work on through a lot of therapy uh, that I did, that I actually developed at a really young age. You know, I had, I, I grew up pretty traumatic, you know, living in, after having it all, we, we, we have, it's like, didn't have like a rags 
to Rich's story. Like I was born into my pops making a lot of money and then everything fell apart. And next thing you know, we're on welfare and we're bouncing from house to house. We're living in on couches of my mom's friends, you know what I mean? And so I grew up with some, there were some pretty traumatic moments uh, growing up for sure. But there was one moment specifically that I went through something with my dad um, where, you know, I was like six years old and we're, we're going through this thing. And every, I think everybody's got this moment, whether it's something gnarly like what I went through um, or, you know, you raise your hand in class and you get the answer wrong and everybody laughs at you, but you label yourself something. So six, seven years old, this situation happens and I literally label myself. I didn't learn this till years later in therapy, but I labeled myself worthless. I literally said as a kid, I'm worthless. And I spent my whole life trying to cover up this feeling, making money, any means necessary, having nice things, trying to get the nicest car, all to do what? All to cover up this feeling that's deep rooted that I'm worthless. And so that definitely carried me that that I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to show you unnecessary energy that I carried did become a winning formula to get me to a certain point. Um but, you know, as I grow up and you, you start to work on yourself, I'm like, who am I trying to prove myself to? Nobody cares. Everybody's got their own issues and problems. And you start to uncover those things. Um, whereas now my purpose is different. I don't have any options. I have too many kids. We keep having kids. So, <laughs> so like, now I just have to succeed. And I'm inspired out of my mind to give my 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 kids a really rad legacy and and more than like what I'm going to leave my kids with uh, when I'm gone. It's more about like what kind of what kind of, 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 you know, mindset did I have? What kind of human being was I? You know, what how was I to other people? So but but the pathway to get here was a lot of that, man, was a lot of like feeling like I'm not good enough. And then making decision, the decision to step into Orange County luxury. Oh, that was on a loudspeaker. Like, you don't belong here. <laughs> you know, getting listings. And you just, just go through the roster of every single real estate brokerage in Newport Beach and Corona Del Mar and Laguna Beach. Go through the roster. <laughs> There's a general theme of how everybody looks on that roster. And I felt that. Um, and I may, I may be attracted more of that because I was already thinking it, you know, I would get listings this is 2012, 2013, and people would be like, how did you even get this listing? Anyways, you know, a lot of that highly territorial, you know, as I think any area is, um, but yeah, man, it's been a crazy battle. It's been a crazy battle for sure. It has not been easy. I think the majority of people who are working the luxury market out here, and nothing's wrong with this. Um, but the majority is like, yeah, I had, uh, you know, my dad owned this mortgage company and my great grandpa uh, designed the roads. And, you know, like their last name means something like nobody ever heard of Sturdivant. So, you know, it's different. I had to I had to pound the pavement and it's going to be a little easier for my kids now if they decide to get into the game which my oldest son already is. Worthless is a pretty difficult swing thought to have constantly in your head. 
And I yeah. know what you're talking about when you have that moment where you you like have this narrative about yourself. Yeah. I had nothing traumatic, but I didn't make the golf team software. This is comp- yeah. this is like the douchiest thing I could possibly yeah. say. But it, here we go. The, the, there, is, <laughs> there is a point to this. And I was good in high school. I, you know, I was a one or a two handicap basically. But anytime I would play a tournament or play for tryouts for the golf team, I would shoot like 15 over par. I was a complete disaster, complete mindset. So I had this mindset and I still kind of carry it with me that I'm like a choke artist where Mm. I'm really good in practice. I'm good with my friends or I'm good, you know, speaking on a podcast or something. But when it comes to like that moment, that's when like the adrenaline and the nerves kind of basically take over. So where was that moment where the worthless mindset for you was gone? Like, was there a specific moment or was it just kind of a general shift as you became more successful in real estate? It's still there. Okay. It doesn't go, go. it doesn't go away. It still pops in. You know, like I say, the ego is not your amigo. It still pops in. Think, Think about it like this, right? Like it was such a big deal for me to get into the million dollar mark. So my first decade or so, so I started officially selling under my name in 2004. I How old were you in, in 2004? In I was 22. So I'm, okay. I'm about to be 41 in a few weeks. So I'm, I'm 22 years old. I get into the game and naturally I'm going to sell homes where I'm comfortable. Right. I grew up in the hood and I grew up in San Gabriel Valley and Rancho Cucamonga. My average sales price was like three fifty, four fifty. Like back then, if I got a six hundred thousand dollar sale, that was a really big deal. Like, woo, six hundred, you know. Um, and my best friend in the world started an incredible clothing company called LRG, Lifted Research Group. It was like the first hip hop, snowboarding, skateboarding brand that like meshed all these cultures together. Like in 2004, 2000 to 2006, there was nothing really touching this brand. It was a very authentic streetwear brand that was one of the first brands to make, to, to break like a hundred million in sales. Everybody from Kanye to the Roots to Deepak Chopra to Robin Williams, like rocking this brand all in the same week. And that was my, my best friend, my, like a brother to me. He was my first son's godfather who started that company. He passed away in 2011. Two years prior to that, in 2009, when LRGs is blowing up, he asked me to help him buy his, his first big home. I lived 45 miles away, but I'm his boy, so he's going to give me a shot. And I, I do a deal for $1.3 million. I still run into that agent all the time, Victoria Strombaum. And I'm like, Victoria, remember when I called you? Like, I remember looking at my phone and there were 16 freaking pound signs because I was calling her and said, hey, Victoria, it's Kevin Sturdivant. Just want to let you know I sent you. Oh, fuck. And just <laughs> so nervous. Redoing the voicemails. <laughs> Dude, that was in 2009. I don't sell another million dollar home until 2012, the month after my dad passed away. When my dad passed away in 2012, we have the same name. I'm 30 years old, 29, 29 years old when he passed in January 2012. And I see my name on funeral papers. And I'm just like, the year before that, I sold 2.5 million total in real estate, right? I sold like five or six deals, average sales price, 500,000. My best friend, Jonas, he passed away in May. 
I'm knocking doors, I'm making cold calls, I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to do from May to December 2011. I don't sell a single house. I couldn't. I was freaking rocked. I would be on my way to a listing appointment. And then if you've lost anybody, you know how that feels for the listeners or even you guys. You lose somebody close to you and you're on your freaking way somewhere and the wave just hits you like a ton of bricks. I'd be on the, the way to an appointment and just waterworks, you know, and I, I'm about to, now I got to go on a listing appointment and talk comps. And I'm like, I didn't sell a single house. So in 2012, when my dad passed, it was like that darkness. You know, they say the darkest part of the night is right before the sun comes up. And that darkness that I had gone through with my best friend passing, when my dad passed, it turned to anger. I was like done being sad. I was done. I was like, I had three kids at this time, right? So at this point, my my firstborn son's 11. My son I had in 2008, he's, he's four. And I have a six-month-old daughter in 2012, January. And then I lose my dad and I just snapped. And I'm like, the funny thing is when I snapped, I said, I'm leaving real estate. I'm out. I'm going to go do what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and I thought I was going to be a motivational speaker. I'm like, I'm going to take all the Tony Robbins stuff, the Zig Ziglar stuff, the blah, blah, blah. This was before everybody and their mom was a life coach. And I'm like, I'm going to make this stuff cool for people. And my mentor, this dude named Thatch, she's like, Kev, uh, yeah, love it. Young T-Rob with cooler sneakers. I get it. Sounds really <laughs> rad. You got three kids, bro. Like, And at this point, January 2012, for anybody who was an agent at that time, we didn't know we were out of the recession. We didn't know. Like, 2011 was gnarly. That was the worst of the worst. He's like, bro, I don't know if getting people to pay you to be a life coach, if this is the right time. Let me ask you a question. Why are you leaving real estate? Like you're good at this thing. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I sold freaking five houses last year. Like I hate this. I hated the business. Like, what do you hate about it? I hate who I am. I hate that I have a split personality of like Kevion who skates and listens to hip hop and is like motivating to people. And, and, and likes to dress a certain way. And then I have Kevin Sturdivant who, Everything I say is by a script. And when I go on a listing appointment, I'm like, hi, Mr. And Mrs. Seller. At the end of my presentation, there's going to be one of three things that's going to happen. Number one, you decide to <laughs> list your home with me. Number two, you decide not to list your home with me. Or to, number three, I may decide to not take your listing. And every one of those things is an option. Like, If you uh, said that to me at a listing appointment, I would throw you out the door. But that's who I was. That was my training at that point. And I'm like, fuck this. I can't do this anymore. On top of that, I'm short selling homes in 2011 for 600,000 that I sold for 800,000 in 2006. It felt horrible. And one question changed it all. He said, all right, I get it. You, I get, I, great. I hear the complaint. Let me ask you this. If you could have it anyway, if you could design the dream real estate business, what does it look like? And I never thought about real estate like that. I only went to the seminars and heard what the guys on the panels do. And okay, I need to sell 300 homes a year. I never thought about it like that. And we started to chip away at the vision. And the vision was, damn, well, what if I could create a personal development and real estate company to have my company represent like, hey, we're here to help you with your life period. If you buy a home through this whole thing, cool. 
But no matter what, we're here to help you get to a higher place in life. We're here to teach you goal setting and mindset and affirmations. And I'm going to dress how I want. If I were to say in this thing, I'm going to dress how I want. Um, I'm going to have my own thing. I, I don't, there's not a single brand that I liked at this point. Nothing. Like the agency, and I met those guys around 2013, 14, were the coolest people that I had ever seen in real estate. Careful. That's, that my, that's my brokerage. Thank you. Bro, I met James Careful. first. James invited me to this party. And I'm like, holy shit. These guys had a t-shirt that said, no assholes allowed. These, this is the coolest company. And that became inspiration because that was the start of it. There were no other cool brands before the agency. So the problem was, who am I to create something cool? I sold five homes, right? But I didn't let that stop me. It was like, I'm going to be the go-to for like the young entrepreneur, blah, blah, blah. And I also want to have there be a heavy focus on mid-century, modern, contemporary, even though that's limited in Orange County. Bam. And then I'm not here to have fun, right? Like I'm not only here to have fun. I got mouths to feed. If I'm not making a million dollars a year doing this, I'm not doing it. And I'm going my, my, to give myself five years to do this. The year before that, in 2011, I made 63000 bucks or something. You know what I mean? With three kids in Orange County, that's tough. So we write out that vision and it's like, well, what's the name? And I wanted something short and I wanted something that means something. And I've always ran to solve my problems. And I just remember running and thinking about why I got into real estate. And I saw my dad's initials which is K-A-S. Then I thought of my firstborn son, Eli. I started fucking crying, you know, because I'm like, I'm going to do this. And I, I had, mind you, I had not sold a million dollar home since 2009. The MLS doesn't lie. And I'm like, I tell my best friend at the time, Tim, Tim Kruger, I was like, let's see who could get to a $2 million house first, but I'm going to sell a mid-century or architectural house. This is Jan. This is literally like two weeks after my dad passes away um, that we start to chip away at this vision. And I remember getting a call from this dude named Nick Diamond. I sold him his house in 2004, FHA financing, 725000 Hadn't talked to him in a little while. Owns a clothing company called Diamond Supply Co. And it's like... Kev, my company's blowing up. Like, I just got approved for a loan. And I'm like, say two, say two, say two. He's like, I could buy around 1.5. I'm like, sick, I'll take that. <laughs> we start looking at homes. He's like, I want something mid-century, architectural. About a week into our search, he calls me and he's like, dude, I just talked to my accountant. Dude, I could go to two and a half. Right around Valentine's Day, 2012. We buy a sick house in Studio City on a street called Woodhill Canyon, and we close escrow. The same thing that happens at this point was Instagram was starting to pop off. At the closing party, at our closing dinner party, I remember he got his K. Like now Nick Diamond has like millions of followers, but I remember he got his K that night. I had like maybe 300 followers. He takes a photo of him and I in front of the house, says, thanks at Kevion. And it was like, holy crap, you know, to see it like that. And this is back in the day when 
everything that's posted, you see everything back then. And I'm like, I'm going to use this app to freaking blow my brand up. And that was that when that closed, that was like, all right, I got this. And that year I made like 275. And then four years later, so I did it in four years. 2015 was the first year I earned seven figures. Huge. Isn't that crazy? Like when when you have that switch in mindset, but not only the switch in mindset, but you actually believe in it. And then yeah. things seemingly just start falling into place how you've envisioned it. I'm very big on law of attraction and things Hell like that. Yeah. So, and I, yeah. you know, it's crazy. It's crazy when you, you, you ask like, when, when did it click for you? And I'm like the, the, the worthless thing. And I'm like, dude, it always keeps coming back. Cause there's new levels, new devils. So we build the business. We get, we get our place to like, you know, when, when we became an independent brand, which was 2020 was our first full year as an independent brand. Like we started as an independent brand at the end of 2020, we had achieved our first billion in closed volume, not that year, but all the years together. But just to be able to say like, damn, and I built a great name. I've achieved all these crazy records and blah, blah, blah. But there was only one time that I did an eight digit deal close. I had listed some, but only one time closed. And that was in May, 2016. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, five years. Where the hell's the other $10 million deals? It was back to that like, and a kid who was on my team at that time, a young dude, 22, 23 years old, he helped me do that first $10 million deal. And I never stepped back into that. Why not? They're happening all over the place. And last year was the, fir the first time where I decided to crack, to crack that. And, and I I've been talking about it always talking about it, of course, but I didn't believe it until last year. I didn't do anything differently. I didn't start dressing differently. I didn't create a luxury website. I had an honest conversation with myself. And once again, it was in a very dark place. Um, we almost lost our daughter um, when she was born. She swallowed all this meconium and we immediately went from her being born to being in, in the, the ICU. I mean, it was gnarly. Lived in the hospital for a month. Uh, spent Christmas and New Year's there going into 22. And it was actually in that space where I'm like, damn, the only way I'm going to get more time with my kids without having more stress is to increase my average sales price. That was my motivation. I think all the other times it was greed or not greed it was more like vanity and ego and that wasn't enough like i needed a real reason and so when i connected more time with my kids to the 10 million dollar price point and i write i have clarity i said 2022 i'm selling 10 homes above 10 mil i was maybe a little too big i sold six um but that was it man it was a, that was a big breakthrough and now i'm going through it again like Am I good enough to sell the 20 and the 30s? What action steps did you take besides the mindset I'd, of how do I how do I get to these 10 million? Like what did you start doing in the field? What sort of people did you start reaching out to? Was it like a networking push? What did you do in the field for this? So I'll tell you exactly how the deal came about because it was actually one deal that resulted in 43 mil, which was just psycho. Um 
I, but I, I want people who are listening to know that it wasn't even the action. It was the quiet time and digging through the core and uncovering why I wasn't doing those deals in the first place. That was the bulk of the work, honestly. Um, and I am such an open book. I'll say exactly how I did it, but I really want people to get that what I did physically, the physical action is, is not as, um, was not as impactful as the quiet time, spiritual action of why can't I do these deals and blah, 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 blah. So once I set the goal and I set that goal right away, we, we got home from, from the hospital, January, 2022, I was very clear. This is the year. This is the year I do 10 deals above 10 mil. Dude, here's what's crazy about this. So like the year before that, I met this dude that has the house of all houses. If you Google 230 Kings, this is one of the dopest modern architectural homes designed by this group, Laidlaw Schultz, who are true connoisseurs of like mid-century case study homes, but they, they do the big dogs now. 7,000 square feet on a 16,000 square foot lot. It's the freaking one in this neighborhood, but no ocean view. I had knocked on this door, dude's door. I had left this guy's note, this dude notes before, but everybody knew about this deal. And like, you know, he had shown it to other agents, but uh, long story short, I got a DM from somebody who would come to me a lot for her TV show to film, you know, her show. And that's Christina. She has a show, Christina on the Coast. She was, you know, she's like triple OG in the house flipping shows. She DMs me and she's like, hey, um, you know, my husband and I are looking for something sick. I know you do a lot of modern. Uh, what do you got for me? We could go up to blank number. And I had a video in my DM, in my phone about that. And I shoot it to her in the DMs. I was like, I know this property. This dude would sell for like 12. The highest anything has ever sold for in Orange County history for a non-view home is 9.8 million right around the corner from this house, which was like a psycho number. Brandon Architects, like sick. And this dude told me, hey, bro, bring me 12 million bucks. I'll sell my house, right? Sent her the video. And she's like, where the hell is that? Give her the address. Call the dude. Hey, bro, like I got somebody. She's serious. Her and her husband, they're players. The first five minutes in the house, she's just like, just says the F word. Like <laughs> we did, we, we were in, we, we, we were like in the powder bathroom little glance at the kitchen and that was it and she just looks at me and she's like sell my house that i bought last year for a million more than i paid and i'll i'll buy this all day long for 12. and uh she lets me list her place at the strand i sell that off market she bought it for 10.3 i sold it for 11.5 the guy i sold the 230 kings to buys a house for 8.3 now we're in the flow bam bam, bam. and then, and then it's the same stuff, but it was, it's not like I had never knocked on 10, 12, shoot, 30 million doors before. It's just who I was being was not prepared for that. I wasn't ready for that. You know what I mean? I was still scared, worthless guy who was just like, let me go out here and knock. No, you, I had to like 
mentally, physically, spiritually be ready. And now I'm trying to do that and overcome my negative BS with the 20s and the 30s. I had an opportunity to do a 40 uh, a month and a half ago, and I feel like I dropped the ball. I didn't get it. I didn't attack it. I got the up to bat, but I didn't attack it. Somebody else got it, and I'm like, whatever. Thing's not going to sell. Sells in two freaking weeks. So constantly working on what else don't I believe? Mm -hmm. And why? What's that shit all about? Now, this is very inspiring to me because I'm uh, currently trying to get into a higher, I I have gotten into a higher price bracket in my uh, area and I'm trying to get like higher and higher. And I too, like, I'm not exactly the, you know, I want to dress the way I like to dress, but I understand that like there's boundaries as well. Like we hear all over this industry now, like, Oh, just be yourself. And who cares what anyone thinks? But like, that's not exactly true either. Right. So how did you find that balance? Because, you know, when you, when you look on your Instagram, you're not exactly in a three-piece suit all the time. Right. You're you. Right. You're how you yeah. look right here. You have like a very cool style. How does that translate into ultra luxury real estate? So you got to know your stuff first and foremost. You got to really know your stuff. I just went on an appointment right before this for like 10 and a half-ish. And I feel like I wasn't dressed appropriately to be totally straight up. It was an older couple. I saw them looking at my shoes. I got some fresh Air Force Ones on. Why is this real estate agent wearing a hat? Like, all right, well, what's more important here? That I'm comfy and casual or that I get the freaking deal? So I could have I stepped it up a little bit more. Not to say I didn't get it. We had a crazy rapport. After, I saw some kind of looking at me and assessing, though. What do I want to do that for? Just... Put on a nice sweater, put on some nice clean khakis or whatever. You know what I mean? So it is a balance for sure. Uh, the fashion thing that, that my thoughts are really just keep it tight, man. Like keep it on point. Look good to step into the higher price range. Man, my dude Weston, he was on Aaron Kerman's team. This dude really wears whatever the hell he wants. He like, he really, he, but it's on point. I just feel though that Hollywood is a little different. Like you could get away with wearing a beanie in Hollywood. That ain't gonna fly selling waterfront homes with a dock in Newport Beach. It's different. So um, I think it's just like, what's more important to you? You know, and and I, I guess the, I guess the advice would be like, know your audience. Know your audience because there's a lot of people also in the higher level. They'd rather hang out with somebody that's a little bit more well, casual. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like if if you came in like you look right now to me, I would think that's sick. Like that's yeah. you'd like I'd love that. Yeah. But again, older couple, they're maybe expecting someone in a suit or a sweater or a blade, you know, something like that. So I think that's really good advice. You're definitely right too that there's a, a certain swag to I don't even know if it's called swag, but that LA agents Sure. When they come in with a beanie or just a t-shirt, like especially in Malibu, that that is part of the lifestyle. And then if they're selling $20 million, $30 million homes, then they almost get that allowance by everybody to yeah. dress like that because you're like, damn, this yeah. guy's such a boss. He didn't yeah. have to show up in a three-piece suit. <laughs> He's in his slippers 
walking around the beach right now yeah. and he's still impressing me or she's still impressing me. So there's definitely something to that too. Once you hit it like a certain level, yes. like look at Gary V that guy's not in three piece suits ever. Ryan Serhant, uh, he's always in suits and yeah. he talks about how his brand yep. like exudes luxury and all of that. So it, it really on, depends. Uh, I've been on multiple listing appointments with Aaron Kerman. So um, my, my first $35 million listing was with Aaron. I co-listed it with him. I brought him on the deal. This was 2018. I didn't feel like I had it in me to just go and attack that. And I've seen him multiple times. He was always in a t-shirt and jeans, you know, and I think you have to, the, the most important thing is that you feel confident, right? Um, but yeah, on the appointment earlier today, for example, I was like, man, I probably should just dump my hair. I love that though. I mean, it's all learning. Like, you know, you live, you learn. And now maybe next time you're, you're, you're not going to do that. And there you go. You're not going to get them all. No, no, no. So I'll say Mondays, I like to get really suited up um, because I have resistance on Mondays. And so putting on the outfit, like when I put it on, I'll rock a three piece suit on a lot of Mondays. It's like, I better freaking go somewhere with this suit on. You know what I mean? When I put a three-piece a three piece suit on, which is a few times a month, it's like, I better go somewhere with this freaking suit on. And so you do feel it. You know I, mean? I just, Matt, I just pictured you or myself walking around in our own apartments in a three-piece suit <laughs> just to try to get us to actually. Oh, no, for sure. I'm like, I better go somewhere with this. Yeah. I better meet somebody. I'm going to post a bunch of fire memes in this suit, <laughs> but I do agree. Like even this, like this is not obviously something nice here. I'm just wearing, you know, a cashmere sweater, no big deal, but just putting this on made me a little bit more productive today than the yep. days where I'm just sitting in like a broke agent shirt and a robe oh, and slippers because Which I feel like the other right, six I'm, days of the week. Yeah, correct. 100%. Yeah. But on podcast <laughs> filming day, I look like this. I shaved, you know, the hair is done. Yeah. There's definitely something there. So you're a big mindset guy. Yeah. Matt's a big mindset guy. Matt journals, you know, he has internal talks with himself. I'm becoming mindset curious because I have this negative narrative in my head, like I mentioned before, of the choke artist. Yeah. Um, I've heard you talk about the seven equities, I believe, mm -hmm. on other podcasts. I'd love for you to touch on that yeah. and then give me or the audience any recommendations on books, people to follow, or kind of where to start. Because there's so yeah. much, honestly, there's so much horseshit out there from life coaches or from people just parroting other talking points. But you're like the real deal with this. So I'd love to hear about the seven equities first. Oh, yeah. There's like four right off the top. Like to give people these four things that I feel are really, really powerful. Um, the first one is the seven equities for sure. So like the seven equities was this thing that I kind of put together that I saw when I dropped out of high school. All my my, my college essentially was Tony Robbins, uh, Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Landmark Education. And I noticed all these guys kind of talked about these areas somewhere six, somewhere eight. And I kind of just meshed these together uh, for, for the seven. Definitely didn't invent these. I may have put them together in a certain way. But the first three is mind, body, soul. We've all heard that before. Four is family. Five is social and relationship. And six is, is business and money. So in 2018, I started writing, writing these out for one year, three year, five year, 10 year, and 20 year. Just like how big can I go in each of these areas? 
mind, body, soul, family, friends, business, money. The philosophy is really that we're all aiming for abundance. We're all aiming to achieve more. We're all aiming to, 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 to experience joy. The lie, though, is that getting to the next level in work, driving a nicer car, making more money, getting married, getting a house, having passive income. Oh, that's going to make me happy. That shit ain't going to make you happy. Like sobriety is a big part of my life. This April, uh, April 29th, seven years, totally sober, no drinking, no smoking, no drugs. A lot of people, I don't know if it's just California, but like they don't drink, but they smoke, but they're still considered sober. I'm like, damn, that's, that's, that's not fair. Like I don't get to smoke, but I don't, none of that. You know what I mean? This, this April, seven years in 2015, it was a gnarly year for me. It was the first year I made a mill, bought my dream home. Bought my mentor's car off of him. Spoke at Mega Camp in front of 10,000 people. Blah, 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 blah. I reached all the goals that I thought were going to make me whole and happy. And three months later, because I, I started practicing my sobriety in 2013. I think I had nine months when all this stuff happened. March 2016, I had a major relapse. And it was so confusing Cause I know why I wilded out before it was very easy. It was like a professional rager. Like my counselor, my therapist would be like, look, dude, <laughs> this whole, like have a glass of wine thing for you. Just smoke a little bit thing for you. Isn't going to work. You are a professional rager. You've been doing this for too long. You are a professional at blacking out. So you could say that you're just going to do a little bunt but it's just a matter of time where you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and you hit that grand slam. And that's what happened to me in March. And it was confusing because I'm like, how did this happen now? I know I did it in 2000. Shoot. I know I did it from 93 to 2013. I know why I did it for that 20 year period. It was easy. I had pain. But why am I doing it now? home, married, beautiful family, blah, blah, blah. Why am I doing it now? And it just, you idiot. Back to the seven equities, you dummy. M mentally on point, physically not bad, spiritually, and eh, let's just kind of skip that one. Uh, family strong. No, you got to have all three. You got to have all three of those pillars. And spiritually is going to mean something for everybody, right? Could be yoga, could be your relationship with God, which for me, that's what it is. It's my connection with God. For other people, it could be walking in nature. It's being connected to that higher power and to yourself. You can't just skip over that one. And mental, I've been strong there. But again, I look at my body soul as like three pillars, three legs on a chair. You knock one of those legs off, you're going to fall. And so the seven equities has been very, very, very powerful to develop clarity and understand that the first place to really ball out is your mind, body, soul. Then you can really be there for your family. Then you could really be there with your, your social circle and your friends and be, be dope there. Then most importantly, you got those five popping. You get to real estate to make money and you're happy and you're joyful and you got a clear set of goals. You're freaking unstoppable. You're unstoppable. So that's the seven equities. And I encourage people to write out goals in the seven equities year after year. Go out 10 years, 
be aware of the negative self-talk. Like you said, right? You, you, you said an affirmation. You said, I have a negative mindset, da, 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 right? That in itself is an affirmation. And we all say affirmations that, are, that aren't self-serving. I'm really tired today. I really don't feel like prospecting today. I'm really over this. Those are all affirmations. So affirmations is whatever you declare to yourself. And we have the opportunity to say, I'm inspired out of my mind today. I can't wait to get out there and hit these doors and prospect today. I am a powerful million dollar listing agent. I am a specialist selling luxury homes, oceanfront. I'm an incredible father. I easily maintain my sobriety. Da, 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 da. So your seven equities, you can write them out using the SMART method, right? Specific, measurable, action, um, realistic, and time sensitive. Seven equities, SMART method, mesh those things together. Give yourself the time to chip away at that. But the gist of it is that the real party, real wealth is in the first five. Yeah. Do you think there's something to saying positive affirmations, even if you don't necessarily believe it? Let's like strictly golf, for example, if I'm yeah. getting up on the tee box and I'm telling myself, I'm going to hook this ball into the cart lady's face. I'm going to slice it out of bounds. I'm going to slam my club on the ground. I'm going to be furious. But what if I went up there and I was just like, no, I'm going to stroke it down the middle or stripe it down the middle. Yeah. Even though I, even though I think, still yeah. it, even though I'm still like, no, nah, I'm still probably going to hook it out of bounds. But what if I tell the group, I'm going to knock it down the middle? Like, is there something to that too? Or is that just kind of like false, you know, bullshit basically? Mm -hmm. You do that, Matt? Yeah, yeah I you do. Know. I do that. I do that. And, yeah. the, and the cool you say thing positive is, things out loud. Always. I always put it. I think you have to, to put it out into yeah. the universe. What's How more? The question is, in? what's more important, saying it or feeling it? Feeling right. it, I would feeling think. It. And whatever you say, you might not only have to say it once. You might have to say it a thousand times. Right. I'm, a, I'm the greatest golfer in the world. I'm the greatest. I guarantee you, Tiger Woods, whoever all the other golfers are, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's it's ingrained in them. I mean, you study Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, Tiger Michael Woods. Jordan, Kanye West, Eminem, right? Spielberg, Seinfeld. You study the greats in any industry, where it started, either mental conditioning from their parents or maybe the opposite, you know, like I love, I love the fact that my dad did what he did. Right. And I got to, I mean, it sucks, but I spent seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th birthday while other kids are celebrating in Disneyland, Chuck E. Cheese or whatever, hanging out with friends. My mom took me in this weird place, this weird environment with all these grumpy people. I remember waiting in a line. I remember having to go through some security thing, like when you're at the airport and then seeing my dad in this outfit and visiting my dad in jail. I spent my birthdays in jail, but my dad was like happy. And he's like, Hey, just so you know, like I'm doing okay in here. He looked good. He was getting better. He was getting closer to God. And that showed me like, we don't have to be products of our environment. We get to be products of the choices we make in our mindset. So that gave me this feeling of like, damn, it doesn't matter where you're at. You get to choose, but you have to create it. You have to declare it. You know, I've got this. I'm good enough. 
And again, I'm good enough. Your mindset's like, no, you're not. You can't sell $10 million homes. You know, you don't know. It's not happening. I can sell 10 million. I sell $10 million homes. No, you don't. And who's going to win? For years, for five years, I let the other voice win. If I didn't, trust me, from the time that I sold the, the tent, my first, it was $11.3 million. Google it, 845 Cliff Drive. That was the last time prior to last year that I sold a sale over 10 million bucks. I knocked a bunch of doors, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. I knocked a hundreds, probably thousands of $10 million plus doors. Why did it not happen until 2022? I mean, I was sincere that I was going to do it in 2022. Mm -hmm. So I was even saying affirmations in, in 20, uh, 2021. I can't sell $10 million. Uh, wasn't believing it. I wasn't believing it. And sometimes it takes a second for it to, you know, yes. to, it's like a, it's like, you know, if you, call someone on the phone they're not ready to list their house tomorrow but like yeah. maybe in six months and the cool thing yeah. about all this is it's different for everyone everyone's journey is yeah. completely different like for me i find so much comfort in knowing like i have like an amazing wife i have awesome friends awesome family and eric you have the exact same you know great wife uh friends family like i feel like i've already won yeah you know, exactly. and now it's like, it's almost like icing on the cake. Like, this is fun. I've got yeah. the stuff that really matters. Yeah. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I was talking about this with a really good friend of mine last night that that's going through some challenges with, with a client that he has. And this dude is like crazy, gnarly, buku balling, right? But he's miserable. He looks at what we've got and how our kids are rad and well-behaved and you know, he's got six, seven nannies and, um, you know, just nothing wrong with having nannies. I'd actually would love to have six or seven nannies. It's just, I think <laughs> when you have great. six or seven nannies, there's a lack of connection with the parents and the kids. So he looks at our kids. It looks at the way our, our, our wives are passionate about our work. My wife is highly involved in my work. We're a team. That shit's priceless. Doesn't mean I'm not going to go after the 20s and the 30s and, and selling a 40, um, but that's not going to make me who I am. And I'm not going to be stressed out and frustrated on the way to get there. I'm going to love this life right now, every ounce of it on the way. And that's going to come when, when it's my time for that to come. Like the amount of pilots I have filmed for these different shows and all these people, you and your wife got to have a show. Oh my gosh. And I always feel, it seems like we're so close to getting a show and then it stalls out for whatever reason. And I'm like, we ain't ready to have a show. It's all good. It's so loud at my house right now. Anyways, with all my kids, I don't know if anyone's going to watch that show. Maybe I need to wait till my baby's like two and a half and she stops yelling at everybody all the time. <laughs> the show's just too and loud. I mean, <laughs> That's the yelling. feedback. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's just, it's trusting the process, man. Trusting the process. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, is from Russell Simmons. He said uh, in this book called Do You, he said, don't think that there's going to be gold at the end of the road. Instead, value the process and know that the road has been paved with gold all along. So there's, there's, the, there, the, 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 there's the, the, uh, the end destination 
You know what I mean? I did an Ironman last year, which was insane. And yeah, cool. Crossing through that finish line was like, that wasn't it, man. It was like the freaking challenges getting through that thing. Who I became with this group of friends and what I learned about myself on the journey. When I crossed it, it's over. That's it. You know, it's, it's, it's who we become in that process that I think that's where the party's at, that you set a goal, your, your mind's like, <laughs> you cannot do that. It's not happening. And you're like, yes, I can. Let me create some of these affirmations. Let me work on this negative self-talk. All of a sudden, you start to believe it. You get closer. You lose it. You keep trying. You lose it. You keep trying. Bam, you finally get it. I'm like, dude, you know, that's why I'm constantly in this space of like, when I achieve a goal, I give myself a little small celebration period, like 12 to 24 hours max. Because if I don't set a new goal that challenges me and inspires me and makes me nervous, I'm in a very weird space. And I don't like it. I, I, I you know, I very much so I'm in this philosophy of like, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I have to continue challenging myself and experiencing a little bit of like struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, constantly getting uncomfortable. Constantly. To, to succeed. Yeah. No, I constantly. love that. Yeah. Kevin, this has been one of the most inspirational episodes I think we've had, at least for me personally. Very, yeah, very amazing. Thank you so much for being on. I, I'm, I'm so stoked. Eric, hope we improve your golf game. That's this. that was the entire goal That's of this. Matters, Honestly, bro. I was like, I got to bring on Kevin just so I could knock it down the middle. So everybody, this was basically a private therapy session I'll for me. Right so now. thank you so <laughs> much. I strongly believe with every ounce of my mind, body, and soul, Eric, that you could be on the PGA tour. I'm not look, kidding. Look, that's not the goal. That's not the goal. I'm just trying to go out there and shoot, you know, an 82 every now and then without, without, you know, losing 15 balls and snapping a six iron over my neck. But, you know, this know leaks into works, other parts of my possible. life too. But, I just believe yes. that it's possible and that if you chose Thank you. to and you gave it all you got, you could be on the PGA tour, bro. I, just, I, pr I appreciate funny. that. Man. <laughs> yeah, you'll see me in the masters or I guess when this Tomorrow. comes out, you, you'll see me in the PGA championship yeah. or maybe you'll have oh. seen me win the masters, but this comes out. so there Two we go. Words for everybody, right? Why not? Why not? Love Why not? it. Exactly. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Let's get Kevin. Kevin, you're at like 50,000 or something Instagram followers. This is a foundation of your business. He's got a great YouTube channel too, where he's got a, a daily vlog. Uh, and sorry, a, a weekly vlog. So everybody go subscribe to yes, Kevin's sorry. YouTube yes. channel. And then for the people listening, what is the Instagram handle so they can follow you? Instagram is my nickname, Kevion, K-E-V, like Victor, I-O-N. Kevion, just add Kevion. Hell yeah. Along with Thank everybody you. else, I'm verified now. So congratulations. Yeah, besides besides Matt and myself with the last <laughs> yeah. people on Earth. <laughs> Love it. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you guys, man. Keep doing Thanks, what man. you're doing. Super stoked. Thank you. Awesome. Hi, y'all. Peace.